Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Abraham Sherman. Abraham's professional background outlines 20 years of accomplishment, combining in-depth finance, tax, and business administration expertise to integrate and align cost-effective solutions with complex global operations and continued growth goals. Entrusted as a solutions-focused financial expert and advisor of board of directors and executive decision-maker teams, Abraham is committed to sustaining financial health and driving business value by maintaining his current knowledge of evolving tax laws and identifying opportunities to maximize resources, forge profitable partnerships, and enhance asset value while reducing risk and maintaining regulatory requirements. Abraham is a fully engaged and hands-on team leader and collaborator who takes an interactive position in developing quality teams, promoting cohesiveness across all professional levels, and delivering measurable outcomes. Abraham, thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. No, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the role of a franchisee CFO and some of the specific challenges that come along with that, as well as taking a broader look at a CFO's role in driving cost savings and being proactive about identifying those opportunities. So as always, let's start with a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. Well, actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. I started my career with a Price Waterhouse in Mexico City. Uh-huh. I was transferred from the Mexico City office of Price Waterhouse to the Houston office, where I worked for a couple of years until I made partner in the International Tax Group. I was the partner in charge of the Latin American tax practice for the Southwest region for a couple of years. And then because of the travel needs, and this was, I mean, a travel, I was traveling 80, 90% of my time. Yeah. And this was before 9-11. And after 9-11, traveling became a hassle, especially international travel, which I was doing a lot. So I decided to take a role as the chief accounting officer for a privately held company in San Diego, California. And the company owned uh, several car dealerships uh, and then uh, significant real estate assets, golf course, a marina, uh, a very large corporation. And then uh, through a, a really accidental encounter, I ended up uh, touching base with the owner of the company here in Dallas. And I, I've been here in Dallas for, well, I was in San Diego, California for 18 years. And then uh, I took this position as CFO uh, eight, nine months ago. I mean, and I've been here in Dallas, Texas since. Wow. So you started specializing, you started off your career specializing in tax. So how do you think that that gives you an advantage uh, as a CFO? Or well, does, is I that mean, actually a challenge? And it, well, I mean, it, 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 as always, it's a gray area. I mean, it's not completely black and white. I think yeah. it offers some significant advantages. I mean, and, and then also some challenges because uh, obviously a lot of the the the, the 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 work that a CFO should do is obviously the preparation of the financial statement. So. Uh, and the, or the certification of the financial statements of the entity, I should say. 
And an audit background, I mean, it's also very helpful with respect to the CFO's role. But as always, tax is always a a key driver of the decisions of the company. I mean, as you know, I mean, uh, we all pay taxes because we have to, not because we we want to. (laughs) And as always, we're looking for ways, I mean, and this is no different in any other business, to minimize the tax burden of our uh, corporation. So in that sense, I mean, it's very helpful because I mean, it, 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 it gives you a, a wider understanding of the, 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 the strategies that are available to us to mitigate our tax burden. So as you look back on your career, are there any particular stories or turning points that stand out in your mind? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I've been a, 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 a tax practitioner for many years. And uh, obviously, the, the most significant one, in my opinion, was the Tax Return Act of 1986. And also, what I should say is, is also, I mean, no, it doesn't apply in my role right now because my role is purely domestic. We only have operations here in the U.S. But in the past, I was dealing in the international arena. And obviously, there, there have been many, many significant uh, changes in the international tax arena. But the one I remember the most, I mean, was the Tax Return Act of 86 when they came up with the passive activity loss rules. I mean, uh, partnerships and uh, passive investments were widely used as a, as a tax planning technique. Uh, and that was significantly reduced uh, in, by the Tax Act of 86. So, uh, a lot of investments, investment vehicles that were available uh, were uh, significantly affected by that. And there's always challenges, always, I mean, you know, and that, that, that's interesting because people always come up with new ideas. And obviously, I mean, uh, you achieve significant legal, 100% legal significant tax savings. And always the IRS comes up with rules to to curtail those opportunities. So yeah. it's, a, it's an ever-evolving I mean, a process because people come up with new ideas, they put the government closes those loopholes, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a constant challenge. So that's the, the beauty of that job is that you're, you're always learning because you have to keep updating yourself. I mean, you need to, I mean, uh, read all the time. So it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. Yeah, and and policies flip flop based on who's in office, and it seems like taxes get more complicated with each passing year. Yep. So, talk to me about your current organization, EYM Group, and and what it is that they do. Well, in EYM Group, we we're franchisee. We're a franchisee company. I mean, we we own uh, over three hundred restaurants, uh, between seven and eight thousand employees, give or take. And we handle five brands. We have Pizza Hut restaurants, we have KFC restaurants, we have Burger King, we have Panera Bread, and uh, Dennis. And we operate in eight states in the country. Okay. Um, And yeah, you joined them right in the thick of COVID. So how was that? And and why was that? It's been a challenge. I mean, I, well, I decided to to move here to Texas because uh, my kids, I mean, I mean, moved to Texas, so it was a, a personal driven move, not necessarily a a career oriented or money oriented move. So uh, uh, it was a 
for me, a match made in heaven from a, also from a business and from a professional stand, uh, standpoint because business-wise, I mean, uh, I've been learning a lot. I mean, this is a new industry for me. Although I, I should say that, I mean, I, I have a lot of work experience with car dealerships. And I found out that th th there are a lot of similarities between a car dealership, the way it operates, and a restaurant uh, franchise. Because nobody would say a dealership is a franchise, but it operates as such. I mean, yeah. uh, more or less. Concepts are very similar. I mean, uh, you're buying the product from, I mean, not the factory, but I mean, approved vendors by the by the franchisor. So there are a lot of similarities in that business. And like I said, the move was more professional, uh, personal than professional. Yeah. Uh, but it's been it's been a fascinating experience for me. I've learned a lot, and hopefully, I mean, uh, I've also contributed a lot to the company. And obviously, I have because, I mean, as, as you correctly stated, the challenges with COVID have been, uh, I mean, nothing. I mean, that I've ever seen in my professional career. Yeah. I mean, I mean, supply chain, labor issues, I mean, you name it. I mean, we've had a lot of challenges. I mean, it's been a very interesting time. Yeah, I was just thinking to myself that labor shortages must be a huge problem for you right now. But you're right. Supply chain is probably equally as large. Yep. So you've been there now for just under a year. As you look back on the last year, what are your proudest achievements? Well, obviously, I mean, we've had, I mean, uh, challenges. So uh, obviously, I mean, uh, it was not a difficult process, but a laborious process. I mean, one way was to obtain our PPP loans and, uh, and obtain the forgiveness for those PPP loans, I mean, which were a, a lifesaver in our industry. Yeah. No, I mean, the restaurants were decimated by, the, by, by COVID. I mean, we, we had to shut down a lot of restaurants. During COVID, and I mean, in, in some restaurants, um, sales haven't recovered because, I mean, some people haven't decided to come back to work. And then, um, so uh, we, 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 we still don't have enough people, we don't have enough employees in our restaurants. I mean, we're trying to find out uh, where we can find these people. I mean, the supply chain issues have been another one. So, yeah. uh, negotiating with vendors, I mean, uh, because, I mean, uh, it's amazing that sometimes in our restaurants, we don't have product to sell. I mean, uh, so that's been a challenge, I mean, to negotiate with our vendors, I mean, and try to obtain uh, the products that we need to uh, sell to our customers. So that's been, I mean, the, uh, but the main issue for me has been managing people. I mean, I think there's been a huge transformation in the culture of people, I mean, uh, and uh, I don't know if it's politically correct to say this, I mean, especially in this uh, forum, but I think the uh, culturally, uh, I mean, and if I offend people by saying this, I hope it doesn't come across as uh, incorrect. But I, I, I think uh, the new generation of professionals is a little bit entitled. I mean, I when I grew up. I was used to working, I mean, like public accounting, 16-hour days, I mean, seven days a week. Uh, I feel that the new generation doesn't want to, I mean, doesn't want to work as hard. I've heard I mean, that. I, maybe they have other priorities. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just stating yeah. the reality. Yeah, I mean, they people, do. 
people have other priorities. They, I mean, I, for me, it was very important to grow for my career, to grow my career. And I knew that the only way I could do that was by working really hard. And I was professionally driven. I mean, I was I wanted to become a partner, so I wanted to work as hard as I could. And I think people now are not as professionally driven. I mean, they want to take it easier in their in their life, in their professional career. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I mean, no, nope, not at all. It's very different than when I grew up. I mean, and it's been a challenge adjusting to that. Yeah. Because I'm, I kind of expect from my, my my employees the same thing that I gave when I was, I mean, growing up through the professional ranks, and I've come to the realization that. That is no longer the case. Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of young people are, are searching for more meaningful work and more flexibility in the work they do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard um, your sentiment before. So um, as we look at the franchising environments, what is the role of a CFO? How does your role change, do you think, for a franchise? versus well, the it's very corporate world. In other companies, I would say the role of the CFO is more strategic, okay? I mean, I mean, obtaining financing sources, I mean, dealing with tax uh, issues, all the issues here, the main driver is the operation. I mean, here, I mean, uh, I mean, we all need to roll up our sleeves every day. Yeah. And, and, and I'm involved in the operation every day. We need to make sure that we have enough cash to pay our vendors on a given day. I mean, managing cash flow is a, a, a huge. Well, any any CFO, I mean, I mean, the most significant priority I would say is always managing cash flow. But in the restaurant business, a little bit more so than that because. Uh, one thing that has also been a learning experience in the in the franchising world or in the restaurant world is the the, the realization that we're not willing dealing with third parties. That that is that business model is sometimes I mean it's a little bit new. I mean we have vendors like or or uh, providers like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub. I mean they haven't been around many years. And it's a completely different business model for 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 franchisees. I mean, you you've probably seen the ads on TV. I don't know if you've seen them, but I mean, Domino's Pizza, for example, is offering incentives to their customers to bypass third parties and buy directly from the store huh. because uh, the use of third parties, while it has allowed us to grow our business, it has also reduced our profits because of the fees that we have to pay to the third parties. That's interesting. I had no idea that you guys paid fees to those third parties. I just thought it was the consumer. No, 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 no. We end up, I mean, the consumer, well, I mean, look, I mean, the consumer, I mean, also very few people know that, I mean, and and I want you to take a look at this, I mean, just to prove me, me right, that if you go and order uh, food through uh, Uber Eats, for example, and I'm not picking on them because, I mean, you can do this with any app. The prices are going to be different than if you go to the restaurant. So there is a small markup, but, but obviously that, that, that price increase does not pay for what we pay to the third party. Huh. They make, I mean, they they make their money on. I mean, I shouldn't say on both ends because 
the, I mean, but customer pays a little bit more, but we, we absorb the brunt of the fees. Wow. Uh, and so we, we definitely make more money in our restaurants than by selling through third parties. Yeah, those uh, those platforms must be banking with all the fees they're charging. And look, with the pandemic, I mean, also they they, they their their business has grown tremendously. Because oh yeah, people don't want to leave. People don't want to leave their homes. So that is it's, exactly. it's brilliant. That is, I mean, it, and I can tell you that that's also been an interesting uh, case in our business because of, or, or, or on our. Uh, Takeout restaurants, I mean, business has grown. And in our restaurants, business has slowed down because, again, the traffic in our restaurants has slowed. Mm-hmm. We, cannot, we cannot find the people to open our restaurants 24 hours. Yeah, People don't want to dine in at restaurants as much as they used to. So, I mean, the, the, the consumer's mind is shifting every day, every day. Yeah, you guys are getting hit from all directions. And uh, I'm sure restaurants are taking, I mean, they've definitely been one of the hardest hit industries in the last two years. Absolutely. The hospitality and the restaurant industry, I mean, have been the ones that I consider have been the most affected by the pandemic. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, tech, I'm talking, I mean, economically speaking, because I, we can never underestimate the impact on the healthcare industry. Yeah, and the efficient job that the healthcare professionals have done in keeping us safe. So obviously that's been, I mean, if you ask me, that's the industry that's been mostly affected. Yeah. But I'm I'm just talking economically speaking. I mean, trying to reinvent this and yeah, healthcare has taken the physical brunt, but uh, yeah, it seems like restaurants and hospitality have taken the economic brunt. Yeah. Um. So. If there's a CFO out there considering the role, this role for a franchisee company, what is what do you think that they need to know, or what should they be thinking about before taking on this role? Well, number one, that it's a very labor-intensive business. The restaurants are open in most cases seven days a week. So, uh, if if, you, if you're thinking this is a job from Monday through Friday. There is always an emergency happening in, in, in one of our restaurants. I mean, the, 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 there's always something that comes up, either uh, an equipment repair that is urgent that you need to approve. Uh, there's been a, a, an accident at the store. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, I, I, I can write a book about all the things that I've faced in a short period of time I've been here. Because, like I said, it's a it's a it's a it's a I mean, it's a one hundred percent operations job. I mean, you you need to be there. I mean, twenty four seven almost. I mean, because things come up. And then, to me, the biggest disappointment that I should say is has been. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, theft going on. I mean, both internal and external in the restaurant business. So let's switch gears a bit and talk about your previous employer, Sunroad Enterprise. While you were there, you took on two projects, one of which saved the company a million dollars annually and another that saved two million dollars. So talk me through these projects and what your strategy was that led to these results. Well, there were a couple of projects. I mean, and I, I mean, uh, uh, you're probably talking about my 
my, my profile, and, uh, but I can tell you the biggest one that I took was to implement a centralized treasury. Uh, what, what would happen is uh, we have, you have different entities, and uh, in the old days, I mean, each entity had its own operating bank account. And if uh, an entity needed uh, cash, then uh, if we didn't have, we didn't have enough cash, we, we, have, we had our lines of credit, we would borrow from all those lines of credit on a given day. And then on entities where we had excess cash, the cash would be just sitting around in a bank account, I mean, earning no interest. So on the one hand, we have cash sitting idle in, in one company and paying interest on another. So we consolidated the treasury, I mean, and banks offer, offer this service, I mean, called a CDA account, where we sweep, the bank would sweep all the balances, and uh, the, the corporate office would act as the, let's just call it the, the, ba- the, the bank for the group, and then we would sweep all the cash, concentrate it in one account, and release it to the entities that needed the cash, and therefore, we, we save a ton of money by not having to pay interest on, 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 on money that, as a, as a company, we didn't need. On a standalone entity, we probably needed some cash infusion, but not company-wide. So that, that triggered a lot of uh, the cash savings for the company. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Being able to use your own money where it's needed. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it, 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 and now people, I mean, uh, take it probably for granted. But I mean, years ago when we started this, it wasn't as as popular as it is right now. So, how is it that CFOs can become more proactive in identifying these types of opportunities? Well, you always need to be on the lookout as a CFO. I mean, that's what I said that the need to reinvent yourself is always there. I mean, I spend a lot of time every day reading articles, I mean, reading the news. I mean, we need to see what is happening in the world. I mean, how is the world going to be impacted? I mean, whether the the Federal Reserve is going to increase interest rates or, I mean, you need to keep abreast of all the of what's happening around us. And also, I mean, I try to attend uh, once or twice a year seminars for self-improvement. Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, I mean, uh, financial seminars or tax seminars are at the top of my list because otherwise you couldn't survive as a CFO without, I mean, constantly reinventing yourself. Yeah, I'm just curious. Do you spend time in your in the restaurants themselves? Uh, not much, not much. But I may, I mean, I, I will tell you one of the first things I did when I came here is I went to the restaurants to, to work there. I mean, as a waiter, as a cashier, I mean, because you it's, 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 it's very difficult to manage something you don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, I mean, that was also an eye-opening experience for me because uh, I, I think some people think it's very easy to do what people at the restaurants do. It's not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, and I can tell you, I mean, like any business, I mean, some customers are fantastic. Some customers can be very difficult. You need to manage those situations. And the hours are long. The pressure is there. So yeah. I can tell you, I mean, most of the time, the, the work goes, I mean, uh, very unappreciated. 
but I can tell you, it was very important for me to understand how how do we count the inventory at the end, at the end of the day. I mean, how do we manage uh, spoilage? I mean, it's, 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 you can't do it if you haven't spent the time at the restaurant. So I did it at the beginning, and I tried to go once in a while. I mean, unfortunately, the only... Uh, we only have one of our, uh, like I said, we have five brands. We have only one here in Texas. So I do go to a couple of our restaurants once in a while to see how, they, I mean, uh, the restaurant looks. It's very important to look at the appearance of the restaurant. Uh, but, but I only do it in Texas. I haven't been able to travel that much, I mean, during this time. Yeah. So are there any tools or technologies that you're using at the moment that, that are helping to make your life easier? Whether it be, you know, you just transitioned to a new ERP, you're considering a new ERP or some sort of uh, project management tool. Is there anything out there? And obviously the, the ERP is at the top of the list. I mean, we're, 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 up, we're I mean, I, I, I mean, not to advertise which ERP we're using, but we're, we are we're, we are upgrading. I mean, to the new version of the ERP that we're currently using right now. Yeah. But so that has a very uh, significant tool for us, which allows us to approve accounts payable remotely. It allows us to scan those invoices from our vendors, and we can review them online and approve them. So we don't have to be in the office to review uh, invoices and to pay checks because we can print the checks in the system with our signature. So that 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 in itself has saved us a, a tremendous amount of time. The implementation was very difficult and that was implemented. The, 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 the AP part was implemented before I came on board, but it was a very significant project. And now we're trying to uh, improve the capabilities of our ERP system with the banking modules because, uh, to allow us to, I mean, to handle our treasury on a more efficient basis. Because the other thing that we do that is very challenging in, in our particular case is we have, uh, like I said, we have a lot of uh, restaurants. And some of our restaurants are in remote locations in, in, in a couple of states. They're not in your typical large cities, so they're in a remote location. For example, we have restaurants in Indiana, which are far apart from each other. So as you know, the restaurant also sells a, a lot in cash. And we have to make sure that cash gets to the bank. And uh, we try to also... Uh, manage our expenses. That, that's another thing that, I mean, the margins in the restaurant business are very slow, small, I'm sorry. Uh, margins are small, so uh, we make our money on volume, not on margin. And in order to make money, we need to handle volume. So every penny that we save adds to the to the bottom line. And it, it can be very significant. For example, if you sell, I mean, a $10 pizza, I mean, how much money can you be making on a pizza so if you lose money on bank fees, how, I mean, the way I view it is how many hamburgers or how many pizzas do I need to sell to recover those fees? So we, we, we try to watch pennies in this business. And uh, so, uh, like I was trying to explain, in, a, in these restaurants, in these far, lo far locations, we have to uh, ask people to go and deposit the money in the bank. And then uh, we need to bring it to to, to, to our treasury here, 
And if you don't manage that process correctly, the, the bank fees can add to a lot of money. I mean, I can tell you it's a lot of money that, I mean, so that's one thing we're constantly evaluating. Every single day, we're looking at bank fees. And now we're doing, I mean, we, 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 uh, we used to do this, the sweeps manually because there are different banks. And with a new platform that we're going to, hopefully we'll be able to automate that process. So I'm just curious, do you guys attend any like technology conventions for the restaurant? I, I, I'm sure I've been to one at some point in my life, but technology conventions for restaurants. Well, I haven't yet, but I, and I can tell you, I mean, they, they, our franchise source do a wonderful job doing that. They stay at the forefront of the technology. Yeah. I can tell you, I mean, they're the ones who provide the back the back end or the, the, the technical support on the restaurants in terms of POSs. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, the, that's the beauty about the franchise business. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lower risk than, I mean, building your own restaurant. I mean, because as you know, a lot of people try to build their own restaurant and, I mean, God knows how many restaurants fail on a given year. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably 95% of them. It's a very risky business. I mean, like, like, uh, and if you're, if you're buying a franchise, you know it's a proven business model. So yeah. the, the franchise fee that you're paying or the royalties that you're paying on the franchise fee definitely pay to mitigate that risk. And uh, coupled with the fact that, uh, I mean, the, the, the support that the franchisors provide to us, uh, looking for those new technologies and the third parties. And I mean, I, they, I mean, there's one of our, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to single any of our uh, franchisors, but, but, but they do a wonderful job. I mean, in, 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 in staying at the forefront, I mean, technology-wise and in business practices. So that's when, that's why, I mean, the, those royalties make sense because you're, you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, it's a beautiful relationship. It's a, I mean, when, when one party wins, the other party wins as well. So, yeah, a, a lot of... Um... Absolutely. And, the, and the, at the end of the day, also the big winner, because let's keep, let's, let, 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 let's keep in mind that the most important part of this equation is the customer. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, neither the franchisor nor the franchisee would survive without keeping customers happy. So what the customers get in return is they know they get a quality product regardless of I mean where they go. They're yeah. used to getting the same quality in that restaurant no matter what the location is. And that's that's very important. I mean, and that's why, I mean, the franchisor, I mean, keeps a very close eye on their franchisees to make sure that the quality doesn't slip because at the end of the day, that brand is worth a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the most important asset, uh, the most important intangible asset that a that a franchise has is the quality of their product. Yep. So lastly, as a CFO, looking out at the next six to 12 months, what what's keeping you up at night? Well, the, the biggest one to me, I mean, uh, well, or two, I mean, and I, 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 I stated those earlier in the conversation. I mean, the, the first, the supply chain, because uh, product availability has become a very big issue for us. Yeah. I, mean, I wonder when that's going to resolve. 
I have no idea, to be honest with you, but that worries me. And because I don't care which industry you're in. I mean, you see that. I mean, I've been reading, I mean, I mean, like everybody else, the news. I mean, you know, the car industry has suffering. There's no inventory. Yeah. You don't have food product. You go to the grocery stores. You don't see product. I mean, it, 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 it has affected the entire world. And that's why you see the, the rise in inflation, yeah. which is also, that will be my, my number uh, three concern. Inflation has to be kept under control because uh, we, we know the, the, the catastrophic effects that inflation can have. I mean, so uh, that would be my number uh, three. Number one, like I said, supply chain. Number two, staffing. And number three, inflation. Yeah, they, those all sound very familiar. Um, Abraham, Abraham, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, Megan. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and all of the resulting insights that you've garnered from those experiences. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I wish you and EYM Group all the best. Uh, And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personive.com. Thanks for listening.